And alright, here we are, back at it again for another episode of New Filters, with me, Uncle Munga. So again, um, if you haven't already, I think it would be a good idea before you even listen to this, to go ahead and check out episode one, check out episode two, episode one, again, we're going over, it was three questions that were sent in to me, I went ahead and, you know, just answered those questions, gave my take, my perspective on it, and then in episode two, I went ahead and talked about past relationships, um, in which I, I basically came to a revelation, um, you know, basically where I was going wrong and what I needed to do in order to learn what I need to do moving forward, right? So, episode three, we're taking everyday topics or everyday situations, and I'm going to go ahead and share that conversation with you. Additionally, I'm going to share my perspective on these things. And so, for episode three, I'm going to be talking about a conversation that was had in the barbershops. Where there was a situation that happened in Bayside. If you don't know, Bayside is in Miami. Um, Right now, I do live in Florida. So there was a situation in which at Bayside, there was an event there and, you know, an argument basically happened. The argument, you know, I guess got out of hand and because of that, there was a shooting. Two innocent people ended up grazed. One innocent person ended up dying. And so we're watching that on the news And, you know, some of the men in there, you know, started talking about the youth and the conversation basically went, oh, the youth today, they have no hope. Uh, The youth today, you know, everybody wants to act like a gangster. They're selling drugs, using heavy drugs, having sex. Uh, You know, they have no regard for authority. You know, they don't aspire to much. You know, you know, basically the conversation went on and on. Any 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 man that's been to a barbershop or females, if you ever went to a barbershop, you know how these conversations go. So this this conversation went on and on and on. Where they basically, you know, giving their take on the youth today. You know, to which to which I understand what they were saying, but I felt like the conversation was very one-sided. And so that's that's why I decided to chime in. Of course, you know what I'm saying. Hold on one second. Well, you, you, what you're talking about—that's what I said. What you, what you're talking about is the effect of what the older generation basically put in place for the youth to copy, and basically they're just becoming better at the games that you know older black men was playing, or they're becoming better. At, at the, the, basically imitating what they've learned from older black men. None of the things that the black youth is doing today is completely new. None of the things that they're doing today was invented by the youth. So, with that in mind, 
you know, of course that that causes stir. And it's like, oh no, you know, everybody has free will and they could, you know, choose to do what they want to do and you know, it, it, of course the conversation just went on, but of course I had to give my two cents. And and from there I I felt like the conversation was interesting enough that I wanted to go ahead and share that conversation with you. Because, of course, I feel like this is something that is very important. Because in a lot of different social circles, the same conversation is being had. Where the older generation feels a disconnect with the younger generation. Because, of course, the younger generation seems to be more more aggressive. They seem to be more more of a rebel. You know, they have less regard for authority. Kids today, they're buying guns, they're shooting, they're selling drugs, they're having sex, they're having babies at a younger age. They're dropping out of school. They're they're just, you know, doing whatever. And it seems like chaos in in the inner city right now. You know, like if you if you, I'm from Brooklyn, and if you take a look at the Brooklyn music scene right now, or just the Brooklyn scene right now, there's a big thing called uh, Brooklyn Drill, where it's basically a whole bunch of youngsters that talk about, you know, the things that they're doing: robbing, stealing, killing, selling drugs. Of course, the same thing is going on in Chicago. Obviously, the same thing is going on in Miami. So these things that the youth, you know that the youth is going through, it doesn't seem independent. It doesn't seem like it's isolated to just one area. It seems like it's something that all of the youth is kind of going through. And when when you want to take a look at the full picture, you have to take a look at what is possibly going on. You know, you have to reflect and take a look at what's actually going on with the youth to kind of see... If there's a way to to fix this, if there's a way to address this, because just saying that the youth has no hope is to give up. And again, the youth is our future. So again, I felt like this conversation was very necessary, very important to have with my listeners, because again, you could go ahead and take this new perspective, this new filter, this new way of looking at life. And of course, you could go ahead and, you know, make some change, make an effort of change, you know, moving forward. So the first thing, of course, when we talk about our youth today, the first thing that we have to take a look at is the idea of environmental reinforcement. So the idea or the theory of environmental reinforcement basically states that behavior is reinforced by what's around you. Um, That's also what the basis of the social learning theory who Albert Brandura had introduced to the psychology world, that's basically what he said himself. That basically learning the things that we learn, the behaviors and information that we learn come from watching other people. Most of the behavior that we learn, of course, is what we see other people are doing. It may not necessarily be what we come to do automatically, but it becomes the outline 
or the guide for action later on in life. So again, we're, we're, we're of course looking at environmental reinforcement. So then we need to take a look at the environment that our youth are growing up in today. So again, we, we take a look at a place like Brooklyn, like Chicago, like Miami. Most of the black youth today is growing up in the inner city, inner city urban areas, areas that are plagued with crime, poverty, racial discrimination, inadequate resources to health care, housing, inadequate schooling systems, uh, obviously over-policing. So all of these factors coupled with the role models that we have in these areas. So we have gangsters, drug dealers, men who aren't necessarily taking care of their children. We have negative media images or negative stereotypes being pumped by the media. So the, the visible black leaders that we come to see are the rappers, movie stars, um, athletes, the, this is what's being pumped to our youth today. So, of course, in, in, in our environment, you have to come and think about what, what is our youth learning today? You know, we, we think about the environment that the black youth are growing up in today and how this influences the identity of a young black man. So most of these young black men, if we're talking about, okay, if we, if we start calling them young black men at maybe 13 years old, 13 to 18 years old, you have five years of development, where now you're coming into the world and you're, you're trying to create your own path, you're trying to create your own belief system, your own values, your own traditions, your own way of viewing the world, you start developing your identity and we, and we know that, of course, identity is the core of our existence. The identity defines who we are, the way that we think, the way that we come to see the world. You know, our identity is what defines our goals, our aspirations, you know, what matters to us, <laughs> what we believe in, again, our values. So you have black men that are, again, in environments that are basically war zones so you again you're, you're you're surrounded by poverty you're surrounded by inadequate resources little to no health care the schooling system is failing our youth the housing isn't the best and so this is what you see around you and so around you on a day-to-day -day basis whether it be your mother father your uncle around us in these areas you don't see too many successful and we're talking about black men you don't see too many successful models around you and then what we come to see because again the black leaders that are very visible to us are the rappers the athletes the drug dealers those are the people's the gangsters those are the people who seem to be successful 
These are the people that we see with all the money. These are the people that we see with the nice clothes, the nice cars. So as a youth, we're growing again our identity and, of course, not only identity, but cultural identity. So as a black youth, we're also developing our sense of belonging to the our ethnic group, being black. So we then, you know, start to subscribe to our culture's values, our culture's beliefs, our culture's attitude. So if I'm seeing my mother and father, they're telling me one thing, but they're not too successful. Again, they have either blue collar jobs or they have service type of jobs. You know, not too many people in the low income to middle class are working white collar jobs. And if they are, Again, that's a possibility, and if they are, then, you know, things can be a bit different there. But in most of those houses in the urban area, it's blue-collar jobs or service jobs that we see our parents working. And then outside of that, you're seeing the drug dealer, you're seeing the gangster, you're seeing the rapper, you're seeing the athlete. And these, these, these people become a part of the quote-unquote high class or the superior class. So you as a youth, again, you're building your identity. And of course, with this limited access to resources in your area, of course, you aspire for more. So of course, the role models that you begin to identify with are going to be people who seem to be number one, looking like you. So those rappers that are black or that drug dealer that's a black man, or that athlete that's a black man. And again, these are the, 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 the media images that are being poured into the hood, that are being forced into the hood. You see them everywhere. It's on your radio, it's on your TV, it's on your phone, it's on your Instagram. So these are the media images that you're seeing every day. So when you're creating your sense of identity and your sense of ethnic identity or your cultural identity, what we will refer to as the culture. You look to the culture for your beliefs. You look to the culture for your attitude, your values. And of course, if all around you, what you see is men selling drugs, men acting like gangsters, men treating women a certain way, men acting a certain way, Men dressing a certain way. If that's what you see around you, and again, you're building your identity, and you want to be able to identify with these people, if you want to be a part of the quote-unquote superior class, or you want to show, you know, yes, you want to show off, or you, or you want to be able to, you know, show other people that you're well off, you know, that you're going to start, you know, basically taking in these values, these beliefs, and that's that's what you're going to become. That's what you're going to come to model because that's basically what you're seeing around you. That's what you're looking at. That's what's being painted to in your face every damn day. You know, so so that basically again goes back to what we were talking about: environmental reinforcement, and then that's the, what the whole theory of social learning is you know so again social learning let's go a little deeper into what social learning is about 
So social learning itself was the theory that was introduced by Albert Bandura, where again, he basically felt that people learn behaviors and information from watching other people, what he would call observational learning. He believed that most of our behavior is learned through modeling, and from watching others, we form ideas on how things are done. We may not necessarily act on those ideas, but we form ideas on how things are done, and this information can serve as the guide for action later on. And so to reinforce this point, what he went ahead and did was held this study where it was called the Bobo the Clown study. That's what we're going to call it for short. But what he basically did was he took 30 boys, 30 girls. He had a control group. And of course, he had a group that he wanted to see how social learning or how modeling affects the children's behavior. So he went ahead and he took Boba the Clown. If you don't know what Boba the Clown is, it's basically that inflatable, it's like this inflatable clown thing that, you know, basically you can punch it. It has sand on the bottom of it and basically it will fall to the ground and bounce back up. So he, he took that. He basically had the children watch a video of an adult. It was either a grown man or a grown woman. He had an adult basically beat up this clown. So they watched a video for about three minutes of an adult beating up the clown. Right? You know, okay, this is this is an adult modeling behavior. And here's the child, not in the same room, just watching this video of an adult beating up this clown. Right? Okay, you know, okay, that's cool. Now... He went ahead and then brought the child to the room. There was nobody in the room but the toys and Bobo the Clown. So he brought the child into the room and, you know, from a, one of those two-way mirrors, observed the behavior of the child. All the children who watched the video of the adult beating up Bobo the Clown, that inflatable toy, when they went into that room, they exhibited the same aggressive behavior. So they went in the room. They were beating up that doll. Uh, they, they even went and got some other toys and beat up, you know, beat up the clown with it. Uh, there were some kids that got the toy gun and was even using the toy gun, you know, just to show the aggression towards this clown. And so <laughs> that's very interesting because, again, that goes and just shows you that it's really monkey see, monkey do. It, kids, especially in that impressionable state, really do learn behaviors and information from watching other people. It's observational learning. What I see is acceptable is what I will become to show, to exhibit. So on the other hand, he had a control group, same experiment, where he had some of the children watch a video of an adult interacting with that same clown but very nicely. He's playing with the doll like you would this this clown thing like you usually would. You know, taking other toys and playing with the clown again very nicely. No one was beating up the clown this time, so the, the children are watching this. And the children that seen that, when they went into the room, that's the behavior that they exhibited. 
So they went in there and of course they just played with the actual doll very nicely. So even if this even if this child was predispositioned to aggressive behavior, you know, prior to coming to the actual experiment, because they watched an adult modeled model nice behavior when they went into the room and they interacted with Bobo the clown, that that inflatable toy, they were very nice. So again, this go this goes to reinforce the theory of social learning. While you have some kids that will go inside of, of that room and they saw a video of an adult being very aggressive towards the actual clown. They went in the room and were very aggressive themselves. You had the control group that saw an adult interacting with the clown very nicely. And when they went into the room, that's what they did themselves. So again, when we take that theory and we take that study and we say, okay, the black youth today are very aggressive. They have no regard for authority. Here they are selling drugs. They're into violence. They're into crime. They're having babies at a younger age. They're not respecting our young woman. We have to turn around and say, using the social learning theory, using the theory or the idea of observational learning, we have to say, these behaviors are not just created. They don't just think that this is the thing to do. They're learning this behavior from, again, social media, from what they're seeing in, in, on the TV, from what they're seeing in their areas. Again, they're being exposed on a day-to-day basis to other gangsters, to drug dealers in the area, to, to, to movies where they're seeing all of the TV shows, where they're seeing crime. They're being exposed to this, and then they go ahead and learn that information, and that's what they go to do in the streets, you know? And, you know, again, you know, even in that conversation with, with you know, the guys in the barbershop, you know, a lot of people were saying, like, no, it's not that. It's not that. They're not learning, you know, they're not learning from the streets, you know, it's their parents. And, you know, my thing was automatically, like, listen, a, a model, a role model in somebody's life is not necessarily just the parents. Because, again, parents go to work. Children, most of the time, before 2020, children, most of the time, are either in school, after school, they're in the streets. That the time that they're going from school to home, they're in the streets, maybe in the park, maybe in their room watching TV. So there's different type of role models that, you know, children get influenced by. And so the three, the three main type of role models that children actually get influenced by um, are live models. You have symbolic models, and then you also have verbal instructional models. And so, of course, a live model is just the people that's immediately around you. That's your mother, your father, your uncle, your auntie, you know, uh, you know the, the people that you see in your area. So that's that drug dealer. That's the teacher. That's the, the, the gangbanger. That's the mailman. You know, that's, th- th- those are live models. That's information that you're literally seeing with your own eyes. And so that's someone that you know from your day-to-day life. So that's information that you're learning from, from what you see on that daily basis. The second type, again, was a symbolic model. And so this is, again, what you see on your TV. 
This is what you see in your books, on, 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 in the music videos. This is what you see in your in the movies. And these people are, you know, these these symbolic models. They're either real or they're fictional. You know, so again, like you have Black Panther. He's he's fictional. While you have someone like, let's say, the baby. He's real. And he's a symbolic model. He's black. He's quote unquote successful. He's he's attained a level of success that people want to you know, you, you can aspire to reach that level of success. So he's a role model in the lives of our black youth today, along with other rappers, other movie stars, athletes. These are symbolic models. And then you have another type of role model or model to follow, which is the verbal instructional model. And this is something that people usually just skip right over. And and this is the music. This is a podcast that you could be listening to. This is, you know, this is literally the music or the podcast. This is a verbal instructional model. So imagine... You know, our youth are listening today to music. Let's say we have music from, I'm, I'm just going to use Little Uzi Vert, Playboy Cardi. Let's use The Baby, Lil Baby, Migos. Um, the list could go on and on. Jay-Z, um, Kanye West, Travis Scott. Again, the list could go on and on, but the music. Or the message in the music is pretty much the same. So it's about coming from the urban city. Coming from a poor area. With crime. With police. Feeling hopeless. And there being only one way out. And most of these people choose crime. Either gangs or to sell drugs. And then they also talk about their promiscuous behavior with women. You know what I'm saying? And this becomes a verbal instructional model for our youth. Again, we're talking about black males. You know, again, this becomes a model, you know, to aspire to or a model to learn from. Because, again, we're talking about the social learning theory that we're learning information and behavior from watching or learning from other people. So what we come to see from those live models immediately around us, what we come to see from those symbolic models that are on our TVs, on our phones, in our movies, or what we come to hear in that verbal instructional model is what we are learning from. And that's the information that will affect, of course, our our identity development. You know, as we're creating again, what is our identity development? As we're creating our values, what matters to us, the way we think the way we define who we are, our goals, aspirations, what matters to me, what I believe in. So these are the different type of models that are affecting that development. And then more importantly, because these people are black, while we're also trying to create our ethnic identity, who we are as black men, We're looking at these models because, again, they give us a sense of success. 
you know, so they give us an idea of what to aspire to. We're also looking at these people like, okay, yeah, maybe that's what I need to do. You know, you, you may from a live model who, who, who's your mom or your dad, they may tell you, hey, go to school, get a degree, get a job. Right. And so I'm going to go ahead and get a job. I'm going to go ahead and, and work a job. I'm going to retire. And, and that's one way to go. Right. And you're, you're creating your values, what you believe in. So that's one way to go. On the other hand, you have people telling you, hey, go sell drugs. Go, or go play basketball. Or go in the streets and be a gangster. Act this certain way. Right? And, and you see from them, because you're, you're seeing them on the, on the main stage. You're seeing them with the money, with the cars, with the big houses. So here's another model in your life telling you, hey... I, I did this, and this is where it got me. So that's something that you're also learning from. So now when we talk about the youth today who are aggressive, who have, quote unquote, no regard for authority, we come to even, we, you have to think, where are they getting this information from? They're getting this information from their environment. They're walking around just like everybody else. You know, they're they're learning just like everybody else. And from what's around them, they're getting bits and pieces from what's around them. And that's what's forming their identity. You know, so basically what you see is what you come to do. You know, so so when you talk about the social learning theory, when you talk about this idea of of environmental reinforcement, you know, the things that 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 basically are in your area becomes the things that influence your behavior. So you go ahead and you say, oh, there is no hope for the youth. And I say, how can you blame the youth for acting the way that they act? When that's what they're exposed to all day, every day. Even if, even if you, you take a child and you say, hey, stay in the house all day. He's still exposed to it, a violence in his video games. He's still exposed to the violence and the, the racial discrimination and, and the crime on his phone. He's still seeing it on Instagram. He's still seeing it on YouTube. So, of course, he becomes to believe, okay, if there's this, if there, if the world is basically, number one, from racial discrimination, the world is basically telling me I don't belong here. And then there's a group of people that are saying, fuck the world, basically. I'm going to do what I got to do to make it out. So I'm going to sell drugs. I'm going to, I'm going to steal. You know, I'm going to do what I got to do, you know, to make it out. And, that, and that's what we call justified behavior. So instead of good behavior, it's justified behavior. So, so as a young youth, when you're when you looking at the same world, you're seeing that, okay, I live in this area that's not well off. You know, the, the world or the government doesn't seem to care about us or me as a young black man, a young black man. And then I have these models that are basically saying, Hey, you know, instead of ascribing or instead of trying to go to school and get an education and get a job, why don't you do this? Why don't you act this way? Why don't you do this? You know, and and, and so with that in mind, of course, you're going to have the youth that even while in school, they're acting like gangsters. They're dressing a certain way because they aspire to have the same traits, the same beliefs 
as their culture, as what they see on TV, as what they're hearing in their music, as what they're influenced by. Basically. And, 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 and so, you know, again, because, you know, this idea of role models or the, this idea of modeling or, you know, is it, very important because you, you, you go back and you, you think, okay, let's say in the 60s to about the 80s, right? In the time that we had black leaders like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, Louis Farrakhan. We had black men who were basically raising the status quo for black men. They were saying, okay, number one, education is important. Number two, a faith, faith belief system is also important. So you had some people who were Muslim. You had some leaders who were Muslim or part of the nation of Islam. And you also had some people who were Christian. But there was a faith belief system outside of what was going on in the streets. And so that created their morals. That created what they believed in. And this, that, those were the predominant leaders that were influencing the black males at the time. So, of course, at that time, as an offshoot of that, you had the Black Panther movement. You had a lot of black men who were part of a revolution to better the black male. And so, of course, we know, of course, the government, you know, whatever situation, we'll say the government, you know, went ahead and dismantled these groups. And, of course, you know, our black leaders were killed. And then our black leaders were then replaced with these, with a different type of black leader. A different type of black leader became more visible. You know, in the 90s, we seen the rise of, of course, rap music. And, of course, rap music at first was very positive. It had a conscious message to it. But then it evolved and it became more about lifestyle. It became more about the streets. It became about being gangster, being hard, selling drugs, about getting women, you know, being flashy. It became more of a bravado lifestyle. And of course, because that's what's being pumped. And again, it's not it's not that the rappers were coming up with it. This is what was going on with the absence of actual black male leaders. You know, you had a lot of black youth who were lost and they were just in the streets doing whatever. And so that became the lifestyle. And some of them came to rap about it. And so for the people who weren't influenced by that or exposed to that now because it was on the radio now they had a magnifying glass to this lifestyle so now more people could ascribe to it you know so that's basically what happened and so this idea of social learning just basically says that you know people will learn behaviors or information from other people that's where we get it from. It's not something that we just create on our own. It's something that we see from other people. And based on what we see, we pick and choose what we act on, what we believe in, what we hold in as a part of our identity. You know, so this is very important because, uh, again, when we consider identity development, cultural identity development, we see now, number one, how black men are forming their values, traditions, belief system, attitude, what we aspire towards, 
what our goals become, how we view and interact with the world. If a lot of black men feel like, okay, America is not for me, fuck the government, they never loved us, that feeling of hopelessness in this world will lead you to be a rebel, basically. And sometimes the rebel, the rebel is not in the form of a revolutionary, but it can be in the form of a gangster. You know, so that's, that's, that's what's happening. You know, so we see that because of the environment that we grow up in, our youth are being influenced by this so environmental reinforcement are causing our youth to act the way that they're acting we internalize you know some of the behaviors you know based on what we see around us you know so if we see again that gangster with the nice car or the drug dealer with the nice car or the the the, the rapper with the nice car the jewels and all of this we we see a sense of a, a accomplishment in that and then we come to aspire to want that, you know, and, and, and so that 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 itself is a theory um, that was introduced by Gabriel Tarde. His, his second law of imitation basically says that P imitation trickles down from the quote unquote superior or quote unquote successful class. So when we see this rapper, when we see this rapper, when we see this athlete, when we see this drug dealer around us, or we just see the way that they act, when we see them in the way that they act, we want to become closer to that. So even if I'm not successful tomorrow, I want the traits. I want the I want to act like that because that's what's regarded as successful. So if this, let's say for instance, athlete is regarded as successful. I want those traits. So what will I do? I will work to become an athlete. So I'm in the basketball gym. I'm in the weight room. I'm in the gym, you know, basically working on my skills so I could get there. And the same thing goes for when we see a rapper that's supposedly a gangster. So, oh, he's a gangster and it got him to the place where now he's a successful rapper. Okay. So now I'm going to act gangster in my day to day life. You know, this, and this is something that we see, again, in our day-to-day -day life. Even in college, you have a lot of black men who, even removed from the urban area, who still think that they're gangsters, who still move around like gangsters. You know, we have a lot of people who were never in the streets, but use very gangster themes. Oh, we in the streets. Bow. It's a thing. It's a part of the culture to be a gangster. And of course, if that's what people around my age are doing, you know, in the club, we in the streets, oh, you see me, ah, 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 using these gangster things that they mimic at my age. I'm 29 years old. So if at my age they're doing that and they're mimicking that type of behavior, why wouldn't the youth be doing that? So, with all of that being said, when we take account, when we take into account all the adversity that we face in our neighborhoods, the discrimination that we face in our neighborhoods, the inadequate access to food, education, health care, the, the unequal treatment from the police, the media portrayal of negative stereotypes, the 
the negative role models that are being pumped to the black youth and the poverty and the, the high crime rate. We take into account all of these things that are currently in our environment. We come to have a better picture of why the youth act the way that they do. And with a better understanding of why the youth act the way that they do, you can then create a better way to affect our youth. Because if we understand the social learning and we understand observational learning and we understand that impressionable youth will come to take on the belief system, the traditions, the, the views of the people that they see as successful, we come to understand that they just want to be better. And if that's what they see in their area, they're going to follow it, whether it's good or whether it's justified, just justified behavior. Hey, I'm going to get it how I got to get it because the government ain't going to give it to me because they don't love black people. So, of course, this justified behavior becomes the, the social norm. It becomes a part of the culture. And so right now, I think the most important thing to actually say, instead of, again, just giving up on the youth and just feeling like the youth have no hope, the better thing to do is actually think about how we can influence the youth. I think, I think number one, the youth need access to more, well, different Types of success, different type of successful men, different roles that successful men take part in, black men. We need to be able to see successful black men that are not drug dealing, that are not in sports, that are not rappers. That's what we need access to. So whether it's working a white collar job, whether it's being an entrepreneur, Whatever the situation may be, if you've attained a level of success in your life, you need to then go ahead and expose yourself to the, to the young black children. You need to be, you know, a role model in the lives of our young black children. Because again, if, these, if our youth are seeing more positive roles in their area, that's what they're going to come to aspire to. If all you're seeing around you is crime and the gangsters and the drugs, again, I, I could go over that list over and over. If that's all you're seeing in your area, of course, that's what you're going to become because that's the behavior, that's the mindset, that's what's being modeled to you. In our areas, there, there isn't successful black men that are not drug dealers that come out and give out turkeys. It's the drug dealers, it's the pimps. That come and give out turkeys or give out gifts. It's always a rapper that was an ex-drug dealer, gangster, that wants to hold a, 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 a fundraising event at a school. That wants to go talk. Uh, the other day I seen a video of, what's his name, Fabio, who, who went to a school. And he goes to the school and his message is, uh, you know, I'm here to basically tell you that you don't got to sell drugs and you don't got to, you know, go to jail to make it out the hood. And it's like, yeah, that's that's a good message. But 
Look, it's like you, you, you're hypocritical because that's exactly what you did to become successful. So how do you come now to my school to tell me what not to do? But that's exactly what you did to get to the point where you're at. So it's like we have to change that role model. We have to change who comes to affect our youth, who comes to speak to our youth. You know what I mean? We have to change that, you know, basically so that we can leave positive, lasting impressions on our children and affect them in, in, in a better way. We have to teach our children values that enhance their self-development instead of stunts their growth and puts them in a situation where being gangster is okay while you're 13 to 18, but as soon as you're trying to enter the workforce, you know, talking a certain way or acting a certain way doesn't really work in that setting. Or once you go to college and you're exposed to a different type of lifestyle there, your growth is stunted because you still want to act very aggressive and you don't know how to interact with people in different ways. Imagine in, in the hood where someone staring at you can be viewed as disrespect and then you go to a different setting like college where someone's staring at you because they may find you interesting. They may want to get to know more about you, but you're viewing it. Again, your viewpoint is that that's disrespect and you act on that. You go ahead and you, you, yo, what you looking at? You know, but again, it's because of your limited view, your limited viewpoint. So, so that's where we come to have to, of course, apply new filters to life, a new way of looking at life. And so, so, so number one, the reason that I named this podcast, will the real men stand up is that I need number one, black men to have faith in our youth because you were in that position too, where you were a young rebel and you were in a position where you weren't necessarily ascribing to what your parents were saying and you was more in the streets. So, you know, you, you was doing what you had to do. But as you grew up, you came to learn different belief system. You, you became to have different values as you grew up. Uh, some men by this age have children and you, you've seen that what it, what it means to be a man is totally different from what you thought it was before. What it means to be a man is to provide for yourself, to provide for your family. So, so with, that, with that mindset, how can you give up on the youth who are young, who have limited understanding of the world? How can you already give up on the youth? So again, I need all of the men that are listening to, to this podcast to number one. There's it, it, four things that I, I need you to kind of look at right now. And number one, first thing you need to do is check yourself. You need to self-reflect and ask yourself, where am I right now? What are my beliefs? What are my values? What do I believe in? How do I interact with the world currently? And if it's positive, how can I use that to influence the youth around me? If it's negative, how can I learn to build on my morals, 
to build on my values, to build in what I believe in, and build on how I interact with the world. How can I do that at this point? So that's the first area, self-reflection to see where you're at. Before you go ahead and point the finger at the youth. Before you go point, oh, there's, there's no future for the Self-reflect. Take a look at yourself. Number two. Family. After you, after you go ahead and self-reflect. What is my role in family? How do I define family? Am I a positive influence to the people around me? Am I a leader? And if I am a leader, how do I influence the people around me? Am I the same negative stereotype that's being pumped by the media? Or or am I a more positive role model for my family? Do I take care of my family? Do I believe that a family is just a, a woman taking care of the child by herself? Or do I believe that a man and a woman in a committed relationship is the structure of a family? So you need to take a look at that family structure, how you affect it, how you influence those around you, again, to help our youth. Because that is the model that they're going to be looking at. That's the model. That's the behavior. Those are the values That they're going to be seeing again from someone that's around them. That's what they're going to be taking. That's what they're going to be learning from. The the number, again, these are all, all, again, four areas that I feel like will help the self-development of the youth. And the third place that you need to think about as black men. The third, that third place. That third area is the community. Too often, we, 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 we just say, oh, yeah, you know, in my area, it's like, oh, we, we see gangsters, we see drug dealers on the corner. And the only people that the drug dealers and the gangsters have to run from is the police. You'll just be walking to the corner store, you see them, they say, what up, you just mind your business, they're doing what they're doing, they're selling the drugs, they're doing whatever they do. Nobody has an issue. Well, you have an issue with that, but nobody's nobody's getting them out of there. So we have to clean up our communities. Because again, when we're talking about social learning, we understand that our youth is influenced by what they see around them. We have to understand that these people here selling drugs and all of this stuff, they don't care about our youth. They don't care about how the, the, the youth views this and will come to model that behavior. They don't care. So as a, as a black man who's walking in the right path, you should care. You should care to clean up your community. So again, if you're that man that's on the corner, self-reflect, buddy. If you're, if you're the man that's not on the corner, again, how do you clean up your community? If you're a successful black man, how do you clean up your community? How do you help out your community so that the youth around you aren't influenced by the same stereotype over and over going through the same cycle over and over gangster on the block selling drugs gangster on the block committing crime robbing and killing you seeing it the youth is seeing it the youth are in the same hopeless position 
Either the youth will go to school or they will fall to the streets. So we have to get that that stereotype or we have to get that role out of our areas. Because again, who, who, who wants our youth to be influenced by that? Definitely not me. And then the fourth area is the race as a whole. Because again, it's not only self-identity, but the other part is cultural identity. What we term as the culture or group thinking. So as a black man, I not only think for myself, or I, 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 don't, def- I don't define myself as just Mark or just Uncle Mugga. I don't define myself as just Uncle Mugga. I also define myself as a black man. So, you know, what, what, the black, what black people do is what I also ascribe to. So we have to redefine what it means to be a black man. Because right now, to be a black man just kind of, it kind of means, in America, it means to either be a gangster or be hard or be an athlete, be flashy. You know, you're not taking shit from nobody. That's kind of what it means in the media right now, to be a black man. You know, and, and to me, it, it, that doesn't mean much. And growing up, what, 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 what being a black man, it, it, it meant more. It, went, it, it, meant, it meant way more to me growing up. Because, of course, my parents are Haitian. So what I learned about our legacy was a bit different from what is taught here in the United States. Of course, Haiti was the first black country to gain their independence through force. Not through a peace treaty, but through force. So I learned that my legacy was full of soldiers, revolutionaries that fought for what they wanted. So growing up, I had a stronger sense of cultural identity. So of course I was American, but I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't call myself African American. I was Haitian American. So with that sense of cultural identity or how I defined being black, you know, I just had a different sense of a cultural identity. I always felt like I came from a, a, a legacy or a bloodline of soldiers of revolutionaries. Of people that fought against oppression and won. Resilient people. And so, of course, in the face of adversity, that's what I always fell back on. That my people are strong people, period. So, again, that fourth area of race. We have to come to redefine what it means to be a black man in America right now. And, and through that... That's what's going to leave an impressionable example for our youth. And that's what's going to have our youth aspiring to be more than just a gangster, a drug dealer, a ball player, a rapper, a movie star. It's going to have them aspiring to be a father. It's going to have, have them aspiring to, to, to hold different social roles. Maybe a lawyer. Maybe a politician. Maybe a teacher. Different roles in our society. Is, then we'll come to redefine what success means. Instead of just aspiring to have 
material possessions, watches, uh, cars, chains, will we'll aspire to one of whole positions of power, you know, uh, esteemed positions here in the United States. Because, of course, our cultural identity will be will change because, of course, the way that we redefine black will come to give our children a stronger sense of cultural identity. So we, again, we need that education of who we are as black men to, to, to of course, teach our children. We need more exposure to positive role models. Because the media already forces their, their stereotypes down their throats. So we need to expose them to positive role models. We need to teach our youth again our history. So that we have a stronger sense of cultural identity. So again, I'm just asking the real men, the real black men to stand up. Because our, our youth, they aren't going through anything that's new. We went through the same exact thing. And right now is not the time to give up. It's when life gives you lemons, the most important thing is to talk it out. And again, thank you for listening. We're here every Wednesday. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, go ahead and check those out. Have a great day.